Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Humor and Mistakes Podcast with me, Nick Neal. Each week, we have a guest on our show to discuss mistakes, mishaps, and missteps that they've made throughout life. We hope to find wisdom and a few laughs along the way. This week, my special guest is comedian, producer, and founder of Eyes Up Here Comedy, Aaron Terry. How you doing, Aaron? I'm all right. I'm a little flustered. My cat had to get its tail removed yesterday. Is that a thing? Apparently, if your cat will slam its tail in the door in January of this year, and it didn't break, but it didn't really heal properly, it has like permanent nerve damage. They don't need a tail. I mean, he's a 20-pound cat. He's like a low rider. So it's been weird. Like I have to like monitor him and make sure he's resting, but also not licking it or like making it hurt or I don't know. He is puked there, everywhere today. It's been a weird day. Is there any PTSD associated with that? Like I feel like if you've had a body part for a long time and it's just gone. I mean, he might have a phantom tail. I'm not sure yet. Um, right now, he's just so pissed. Well, I'd be angry too. I mean- you I just hate made it. this decision for him. I did, but you know, he he was having issues for like six months. He was just not himself. He's okay. a very sweet cat, very lazy. Just he wants to be fed. That's it. And what do you, what do you mean by sweet? Because cats are normally like, I just do my own thing. I'm a roommate here. No, th- this this cat is like a dog. He wants to be in whatever room you're in. He wants to be near you. He wow. wants to be included and like. You know, if I move from room to room, he comes with me. He's not, I mean, he can play fetch with a shoelace. That's about his only trick besides eating. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, I am I am a cat mom. Like, it was, it was obvious to me because I had to make this hard decision. I also had to, like, plan for it. Now I'm on the other side of it going, you know, now his tail hurts in a different way because it's gotten, you know, docked. And now it's all short and stubby. And I don't know. I just, I'm... They say like parenthood is watching your heart outside your body, but I'm. Is, is that it's how a cat. it is for you? It's a cat. No, yeah. own it, own it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. I really, I mean, he's a good cat. You don't want anybody that you love to go through anything. I know it's like, so weird though. Like, I mean, on some level, I'm like, it's a cat, but then I'm like, but it's like the best cat I've ever had, and I love him anyway. Uh, so I'm a little flustered, just feeling like. That's how I feel about my niece. She was climbing up the steps and kind of fell today. And I was like, that should have been me. <laughs> that definitely should have been me. Oh, it's hard. How old is she? Uh, she's 20 months. Okay, yeah. So it's... she's like trying to do everything on her own. Yep. And you want to encourage that. But in a way, you're like, you don't have to yet. Who is Aaron Terry? If, if we were sitting on a plane and we're just chatting it up, we got 20 hours. Oh, man. How would you talk about yourself? I've had a lot of life experience packed into 32 years. Well, now I'm 33. I'm almost 34. That's That'll show birthday? me. In August. I was, I was hoping it was July. Yeah? I'm, I'm July. Are July you a, 17th. Okay, so you're a cancer. I am a cancer. Are you, did you make the cutoff? No, I'm a Leo. Okay. In the end of August. As or, a kid, I wanted to be a Leo. It just sounded so much cooler. I mean, lions are pretty dope. Thanks. Crabs. Shout um, out the Lion King. <laughs> I... I do love talking to people on planes, so trying to summarize yourself is like a tall order. Man, I am 33, and I've been married twice and divorced twice. I was previously very, very conservative. I wanted to be a youth pastor for a while. Wait, well, time out. <laughs> you? Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> the best okay. reaction. No, I, I... I meant no offense by that. It's no, just... I, I, I I I know where it's coming from. You got the till in your hair right now. I know. I have a nose ring. I have one tattoo. Oh my god! I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's a cussing, but I'll try not to cuss. I did say. Oh no no! You can say hell. ass damn hell. Okay. And I think bitch is okay. I don't know. I won't can... be saying the f word. Okay. I, I can I can rein it in. I can pretend like I'm a pastor again. Uh, I've had like 33 jobs since I was 15. I'm always working. But there were some years where I was doing like four jobs at a time and after the recession. So that was a lot of fun. Um, And I mean, if there's one theme, I know that like I learn lessons backwards. That's typically how my brain works is sort of like troubleshooting after the mistakes are made. Thank you. Someone who recognizes what 
that process is. Yeah. If you don't touch the stove, how do you really know it's hot? I mean, life experience. <laughs> exactly. But it it's not my favorite way to be. And I would like to think that I could learn how to look before I leap and, you know, not take risks. But most of the time I'm a risk taker. And I, I but that's just, not how you get stuff done. Like, yeah, I can't coast. I can't yeah. check out. I can't be like, ah, oh, good enough. Like, I don't settle. I just always pushing. Aaron, I'm going to need you to stop saying that because those are one of my questions <laughs> for you because I looked at your recent Facebook post and I developed some questions based off of that. Oh man, I'm excited. So, please don't please don't be stealing my questions right now. Listen, I I told you I'm an open book, so <laughs> you can try and stump me, but I <laughs> So you never coasted, you've worked a ton of jobs. Like what's that process like? Like just always doing something different. Well, and it's not that I'm Goldilocks. I'm not trying to find the perfect job. Um, more than anything, a lot of it has just been out of necessity. So like growing up, I worked for my dad and that was because he had three girls and I was his son. <laughs> Basically, he was like, you're the only one. He does furniture. He'd be like, you're the only one with upper body strength. You're coming with me to move these couches. And I'm like, cool. Is that like... Do you like that? As I mean, a kid? Like, I love my dad and I love spending time with him. And I did like being the reliable one to do everything. But it also meant that like both my sisters could stay home and like chill. And I'm out delivering lazy boys with my dad <laughs> and like lifting things and moving them up and downstairs and like taking stuff apart. So I don't know. I mean, it was a mixed bag. But then, you know, out of just needing to be able to pay for things like – I, I've had jobs since I was 14 and a half. Being the middle child, uh, I I had to pay for everything myself, even if my sisters didn't. Uh, I don't really understand it. I don't think it was really necessarily fair. But, Does the um, middle child thing exist? In my family, yes. I just had to pay for everything. I paid for my birthday presents. I had to like – I paid our bills <laughs> when I was in high school. And then the second I could get out of that house, I did uh, just because I – could work i could find a job i could do things and not need to ask for help in a way do you appreciate that a little bit uh because i'm just thinking from my perspective like i helped out a little bit with bills as well and it and i when i see like the juxtaposed of my sisters like i don't make excuses i mm -hmm. just know that sometimes you got to get i almost said shit <laughs> no, <I just> said <laughs> it's it. true <laughs> but you sometimes you just got to get stuff done right do you like appreciate that a little bit well yeah it, it's a little bit chicken in the egg like am i strong because I was resilient and then they could give me more responsibility or did I just have more responsibility so I became more resilient and like, you know, um, lean into it that way. I don't know. It's it's a curious thing to think about as an adult, but I, and I do think about it a lot. Both my sisters have stable jobs. It's not like they were freeloaders and they've definitely made, you know, a lot out of themselves and I admire both of them for the fields they're in and their families and their homes and all these things. And may, and like, I mean, I am sort of the black sheep compared to them. If you keep score, like I'm at bars every night doing comedy and having a million jobs, um, you know, two husbands <laughs> changed my name four times on <laughs> Facebook. Like, I know I, I, I probably look like a, a wild card, like a, the loose cannon in the family, but I'm just doing my best, you know? Well, you don't settle. Like, if something's not right, you change it. That's yeah. what not settling means, right? Yeah. But it also means that, like, I look flaky compared to other people or I look flighty like I can't commit. Maybe I can't. I still haven't really um, unpacked that at all with, like, a therapist. Um, that's why I do stand-up. But <laughs> No, you got to go to a therapist. I know. It's on my... Shout out to Amy. She helps me out. It's on my agenda. Uh, I think it's it's the next move once I'm at my new job and get benefits there. So, I don't know. So, what do you do? In, in life or for a job? Both. So, I'm in between jobs right now. I have a new job starting next week. Uh, I can't really describe what it is. I, I honestly, like, between... Reading the description and then interviewing for it, I don't think I know what it is, but I'm qualified for it. So it's it's uh, like software and sales. And Are you a tech person? Yeah, I've been it. So it's so silly. Uh, all those years ago, 
back in college, I studied philosophy and religion. So I have a liberal arts degree from Appalachian State in philosophy and religion, which I, you could only do both. You couldn't do one or the other. And then I would have just done religion because I wanted to be a pastor, but it was philosophy and religion. So I did the minimal classes for philosophy and then all the Bible classes I wanted, which was colossal Are waste you a of Bible time now. Warrior? Yeah, I was I was like a Bible study leader. I um was really involved in Campus Crusade for Christ. <laughs> so you were did you ever knock at people's doors? No, I'm I wasn't I wasn't like the tried and true evangelical. I think even having unsubscribed from most Christian things, I think you can live your best life in that you can shine and show people love without knocking their doors down and like shoving things down people's throats. Like, honestly, there was something one time I used to do that with like my youth group. Like maybe I was 11 years old and I knocked on someone's door and they said, do you want someone of another religion knocking on your door and doing this to you? And I was like, no. And I never did it again. Really? At 11? (laughs) I mean, I was just like, no, like this seems really wrong. This seems like, like, I don't know, indoctrinating or something. But uh, I think the the best people I've ever spent time around in my lifetime have been people who just show you love. They don't That's have all to. It takes. They don't have to preach to you. They can just live and be kind and pay things forward and take care of each other. But I don't know. So like I I wanted to be a pastor for a while and then that didn't pan out. And uh, I like to make the joke that like God shut all the doors and all the windows on that one, but. <laughs> um, I don't know. After that, I, I the recession hit. I moved to Raleigh in 2008, right right as the recession was about to start. And I got a nanny job, and then I worked in a restaurant, and just making ends meet, like paying my bills as best I could. Um, but eventually, I had um, the opportunity to apply at the Apple Store at the mall, and I've always understood computers and can explain software like interfacing like you know if you can explain how to use a computer to your grandmother then you can do that with the general public uh and so i i relayed that for like two years at the apple store and that's really where like my resume started over and so i've been more or less in the tech side of rtp for gosh like eight years now so that's been good sweet but it it fluctuates (laughs) and and when you like when you leave one company, you might take a step back and pay, or you you've been in sales, but those can do you know crazy things with what they consider salary and then commission. And so, I've gone through like customer support. I've worked in call centers. I've been an account manager. I've been in sales. I've been, uh, gosh, all of those are like customer facing because I'm good with people. But that's a learn. Those are learning stuff too. Yeah, like you learn. That's what I. That's what I realized. Like, it's, sometimes it's about how quickly you pick up things. Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about is you starting eyes up here. Uh huh. Um, because it is grown, and you can toot your own horn, and you don't need me to toot it because it's it's its own. It thing. is a horn. So how was that process? It's it's kind of crazy because. Um, and can you tell people what eyes up here is? Yeah. So eyes up here comedy is the showcase and sort of engine that I run to get female identifying stand-up comics more stage time in North Carolina. So it started out just in Raleigh. And I really, like, I hit the comedy scene in 2014. It was on my bucket list. And I was like, I'm going to try stand-up. No real reason. I just like telling stories. And I like to be funny. And I figure, put a microphone in my hand. It's no different. I was hooked. And that was when I was still married. So then my second marriage uh, this was like the the last year of our marriage, but like it's very coincidental that I was doing stand up. Um, we were growing apart, and stand up became a place for me to just like be out of the house. But he was out of the house too, doing um, like board gaming, which was like his passion. And Monopoly is fun. <laughs> no, it was, it was um, card gaming. But oh, okay. I don't want to like out him because I respect him enough not to like poo-poo on what he does for fun but you know I didn't have to worry that he was somewhere (laughs) cooler than me um and stand-up was really fun and like just 
like a different world and sort of a, a new community. And I enjoy doing stand up. But the more time I spent on the scene, so from 2014 to 2015, I just really absorbed a lot and asked questions. And one of the questions I would ask, I would go to, I would go to showcases and there would always be only one woman in the lineup, usually, if there were any women. And this is, you know, four years ago and a lot has changed since then. But um, I just would always be like, well, how do you get more stage time? If there's only one, but there are six women here watching it who are comics, why aren't you up there? Why aren't, like, how do we get you into this show? And and most of the time, I think it's just oversight. It's not malicious. Like, male producers and male bookers aren't out here going, like, let's keep the women down. They just don't know us as well, or they haven't seen us perform as much, or we only get to five minutes in every show. We never get eight. We never get ten. Um, and so I started asking questions that the women and some of the men who I, I asked at the time couldn't answer. And so I was just like, well, why don't we have a show where it's just women? And all the women I figured who had been more established than I was at the time, I was like, could you do this? And they're like, no. Like, just lots of like, why would I do that? I don't. This is the way it works. Right. And I was like, well, then I'm going to do it. And so we, we like, there were, I think, eight people on my very first show. It was free. I went, I walked around downtown Raleigh and uh, in and out of several businesses and just said, like, I want to do a show. I don't know what night, probably a Friday, I think, would work. And um, the first, one of the first places that responded was where we ended up doing that. And it was like, especially because it was free, but it was in March of 2015. It was packed and it was crazy. And like, I mean, it's not always been packed, but it always feels just as crazy that we are doing a thing, you know, like that this show has the legs that it has. Like, I don't know. Eyes Up Here is definitely like an unintentional, but very great and like crazy thing that I'm proud of. I went to an open mic for open uh, eyes up here. I was like, this is not an open mic. <laughs> this is there are so many people here who are listening, and that's not to take any way anything away from other open mics. But it was like I, I was surprised, and that like I don't mean to offend you when I say no, that. It's I mean just, it is. It's surprising. That's I, not how open mics work. I was like, everyone is listening. They're not on their phones. They're cheering. This is this is not an open mic. Like it's very it's very odd. Um, the rooms that Eyes Up Here has created, like they're kind of supportive. Which you know, technically, you should get heckled at some of your shows. You should have pushback and like people who are too drunk and falling down and being like <laughs> terrible and interrupting. But I've only had one heckler in Eyes Up Here history, and it was a woman, and she was like, speak English. And I was like, what do I even do with you? <laughs> like, I don't want to have to be mean to you, but, like, what are you doing? I just stood really close to her and, like, shushed her. Now I have a policy, which I haven't needed. It's just like, I will give you your money back and you can leave. But at a free open mic, like, honestly, that's called Lady Bits. That's our um, monthly – we actually have two now. That one was our second Saturdays at the Pinhook in Durham. We've been doing that for a year now, and it's free, and it's from 5.30 to 7.30, and it's probably the most popular open mic in the Triangle for an audience to attend oh, because definitely. it feels like a showcase, and it's free, and it's like an easy hour in the afternoons that the Pinhook was happy to have you know, people sit in their chairs. And then um, we've actually just expanded to Raleigh. Now we're doing it on the fourth Saturdays in Raleigh. Didn't y'all do it in another state recently too? What, uh, the open mic? Or the... Uh, we take our show here. on the road. So okay. like, it's not really on the road. What We take our brand on the road. And so we do, gosh, we do Asheville quarterly. So these are our showcases. So we do monthly showcase in Raleigh, monthly showcase in Durham. A quarterly showcase in Chapel Hill, quarterly in Charlotte, quarterly in Asheville. And I'm working on like Greensboro, Winston-Salem, and then another one in Wilmington. So, I mean, it's kind of nutty. We've had 35 shows so far in 2018. That's a lot. It is. And, and no one's working that hard. So my question for you is, how did it 
grow from just an idea to being established? And more importantly, how did you deal with the, I don't say emotion, but like just going after something that you saw was a problem and being the solution? Yeah, I I feel like because I asked the question, I had to answer it. So when I was asking all those comics, like, how do women get more stage time? And it's not just women. It's more like, how do the marginalized people get more stage time? How do you get to see these marginalized people and hear these marginalized people more often? And so I answered it. And uh, for the most part, we work, you know, with female identifying comics, but we have had men on our show. We've had uh, trans people on our show. We've had non-binary people. We don't, we're not checking. We aren't Pat McCrory. We're like, we don't care. <laughs> like you can be here and we want to be here for you. Um, it's basically, it's a machine now and it runs itself more than not. But in that first year we were doing, you know, our very first show was the only one that we had um, at that venue because they wanted to have jazz the next month. And so I didn't fight them on that. And I took it and asked other venues. And then I found, um, so Kings and Neptunes and downtown Raleigh were open to it. We worked with them to say like, which night of the week they said, we will give you one, one Wednesday a quarter. And I was like, we can do it monthly. Like I know we can do this monthly. And they're like, let's just see how it goes. So we did one Wednesday a quarter by the time we'd done two of them, I was like, please let me do this monthly. And they were like, okay, fine. So I did one Wednesday a month. And then, I don't know, eventually, like I think late 2016, I had a friend in Durham who who had moved from Raleigh to Durham. She couldn't come to all of our shows anymore. She just she was like, if I find you a, a venue, will you please put on a monthly show in Durham? And I was like, sure. Like there are – over 70 female comics that I have in my notebook, which I carry on me at all times, like names and where they live. She has a notebook with her, guys. Yes, it's over there. Um, but I I don't believe people when they say there just aren't enough female comics. I'm like, well, there might not be enough female comics to be headliners, but there are enough female comics to be on your show and do five to eight minutes, eight to ten minutes. You're just not seeing them. And so that was where, I mean, us having monthly shows, it's more or less just an exercise of showcasing and highlighting the very talented women who are in the triangle or across the state. So when we go to Asheville, we, I might bring two people with me from Raleigh, but I book the women in Asheville and just bring the brand. When I go to Charlotte, do the same thing. It's not... It's never the same lineup twice. It might have some of the same people that you've seen um, before on an Eyes of Pierce show, but that doesn't mean – one, it doesn't mean they're going to tell the same jokes, and two, I don't like to bring those people to the same city twice in a row. So it would be a couple months before you saw them at the Pinhook again or at Neptune's in Raleigh. So, Did you expect it, grow, it to grow this big? No. And then do you have advice for anyone who would, like wants to do something like – has an idea – but they're nervous. Like, were you nervous when you first started this, or did you just say, "I'm going to do it"? More than anything, so I have I have made this connection recently. Um, Asked you like three questions. <laughs> no, I I like it. I um I've given Eyes Up Here comedy more time and attention than both of my marriages combined. Like, <laughs> like I am I'm married to it, and I choose it. And like that's how marriage works. Like you should choose it every day. And if it's bad for you, then you should be able to assess it and walk away from it and take time. But um, when I first started doing stand up, I say I would, I would say if it stresses me out, I need to take a break from it. Then I won't do it, and I'll just step back. And I have taken like spells where I'm like, I can't do it today. I'm not going to do this mic or whatever. As a peer gives me like the kind of energy that I can't really explain. I mean, it's a passion. Like that's what that's what it is, but it's not my full-time job. So, I have to make it to where it's a machine that runs itself. Like I know exactly. Like we have a show Thursday. I've sent the group chat. I've got the images up. I have next I need to uh you know, prod everybody to invite and then start doing social media. Like I know exactly what step I'm on. 
And we have a show Thursday in Durham, but we have a Friday show in Asheville. So I'm doing it twice. Like this group gets this message. This group gets this message. Keep going. Um, Now I'm booking my August 3rd show. You know, like a month out, we should be doing these things in this order. But you enjoy it. Yeah. I really like it's so much fun. And the other really great part about Eyes Up Here is that it's not just me. Like it's. I think that it would be very tiresome if I were the only person really passionate about it or involved in it. But since day one, I mean, Kathleen McDonald has been integral in uh, keeping my spirits up. But also, um, you know, she's come in this year with these workshops that she's been planning and executing. And between Kathleen helping to, like, nurture people into the scene, so – brand new fledgling comics or, or women who've taken time off from comedy to get back into it, hold a mic again, get that stage presence back. Um, then we have Britt Spruill who's doing our lady bits. And so she's there for the open mic and there's no more welcoming host on your first open mic than Britt Spruill. Oh, she, she's great. Yeah. She's amazing. She's been on the show. Yeah. She's she's one of my favorite people in comedy in the triangle and it's it's really just her being herself. She's not even – she's often just shooting from the hip when she's doing crowd work in ways that – like I've seen other people do crowd work and it's so lazy. And it's a joke I've already heard you do. And you're asking, are you all on a date? And you're going to do the same joke you do to everyone who says they're on a date or says they're not on a date. Brit Spruill doesn't need any of that. She can just get up and make it fun and make it engaging and keep it moving. And, oh, she's so good. But – um. Between Kathleen bringing people into the scene and then Britt really being there to help do Lady Bits and get stage time, like, you know, you've got you to try out your bad jokes, too. Um, so get, get so your suggestion is to get a good team as well. Yeah, or just look for your people. And, and, you know, there are plenty of people who are in and around Eyes Up Here who I also would say are helping. Maybe not in as big a way, but they're encouraging and they are responsive and they, you know, they know how it works and they're they're fans of it. And I don't know. I've just been um, very lucky. But I think to your point about what advice I would give, more than anything, if you have an idea, don't ask other people permission to do it because they'll tell you no. Comics love to shit on each other. Well, that's in general. Yeah. They just they don't. Other people don't want to see you succeed at something they didn't think of themselves. But if you wait, if you sit on your hands and wait for someone to give you permission, they'll, it's never going to come. You can you can always ask for forgiveness. But more than anything, like, it's what you make of it. So if you try something, if you do it, an open mic, we've done this. I've done this. Uh, I started a show last year called Lighten Up. It went really well. I had men from the scene. It wasn't an eyes up here thing. It's just a different kind of layout. And then I was like, I don't want to spend my time doing this. Like, I want to go back to just eyes up here only. But you tried it. Yeah. And I think it's okay to give yourself permission to say like, nah, I'm not going to do this one again. Or So one thing that, because uh, I, I read a lot of like uh, self-help books and they say, mm-hmm. once you find your passion and you go for it, the universe opens up. And it mm-hmm. seems like that's what's happening for you, like just opportunities keep coming. Is is that something you would say is true? Yes, but um, I'm still knocking. You know, like I'm still looking as much as I'm. I don't know about that because you're you're doing well. I know, but like I'm, I mean, I'm always still turning my wheels, uh, and and trying to figure out what else we could be doing and how else we could be doing it, or like what's something bigger that we haven't done yet, or how do we give back or how can we like I think that we could always be doing bigger and better things. That's your drive though. That's the hustler in you. It's something. I, it's the I, hustler with the A. You I'm, a hustler. <laughs> I'm very happy to do it. It's really like the most happy accident I've had. And I talked happy about it. Accident. <laughs> well, I talked about it so much. It was so funny. I was um I had like a reunion with some girls from college. These are like my Bible study girls. And they're all, like, very great, um, respectable women in their communities. And they all have families. And, and I'm, like, blue hair show up. <laughs> like, I know I'm on their prayer list. But 
um, I was sitting there and talking because they wanted me to like fill them in on my life, whatever Facebook leaves out. And I just said, eyes up here, eyes up here, eyes up here, eyes up here, this way, that way. <laughs> Too much. And they were finally one of them was like, Aaron, who is Isa? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you keep saying eyes up here. She was picturing the word I-Z-A. P-I-E-R. Like there was a person, like some Mediterranean beautiful woman, <laughs> and Aaron is a lesbian, and this is how she's telling us. Oh, but, they definitely were praying for you then. I know. They probably sent texts back and forth. <laughs> eyes up here. Uh, so I have to slow down when I say it, but um, eyes up here and eyes up here. Um, I don't know. I think it's what you make of it. And I and eyes up here may not exist forever, but I – Love it. So until there's no butts in seats or until there's no one laughing, then we'll keep doing it. Fair enough. So the podcast is called Humor and Mistakes. As far as you've come, have you ever made a mistake along the way? And was it? A, and I like to frame it as a mistake you thought it was a big deal at the time, but now you can laugh about it or you're over it and you realize, hey, I was overreacting. Yeah. Uh, both my marriages, really, probably just the first one. Uh, I talk about this one a lot because I'm on the dating apps and Tinder. No, Bumble. Bumble. Okay. Uh, Tinder got deleted. It, it's it's a bad app. I uninstalled it recently as well. Uh, it's I don't know. The dating apps are just garbage zones, and I'm on there, but I hate it. But when you are twice divorced with no kids, thank you. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> Isn't something. when you break up with someone, you're like, you know what? Thank God we did not have any children. <laughs> like I look at some people who have kids with people they hate, and I'm like, I feel so sad. Yeah. Not not that you hate your people, but like I've hated some exes. I'm like, thank God we didn't have any children. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird. I yikes. Um, I like to get my red flags out on the table. Like finding out a woman has been married twice. I would rather you just know that than to find out later and be like, what? How did you not tell me this? I'm like, you know, I've been married twice. That means I've been divorced twice. Cool. And most of the time, it's okay. Or they have questions. Men, I mean, you should be asking questions on on the dating apps. Like, ask pointed questions. Be direct. Is that Don't waste time. your first message? Like when you on Bumble? Because y'all lead on Bumble. Yeah. you just like, hey, what's up? Been divorced twice. No, I mean, it's in it's – in, it's in conversation before we meet in person and like the, in the text, but no. The first thing I send is usually a gif because it's, I respect it. it's an icebreaker and then uh, most of the time they unmatch me anyway, so it's okay. I respect the gif. I mean, and you, I have to send something because I, I want to at least see if you'll talk because I'm an extrovert. But uh, there was a question that I'm answering and now I'm rambling about dating apps. But oh, yeah, my marriage. So my first marriage – Ooh, this was, you know, keep in mind, I was in college and I was super Christian and um, so was my college boyfriend. Then we got engaged like in our junior year. That's the, that's the Bible like I know luxury. Like that's how you want it to happen. It's in the New New Testament. <laughs> it's um, It's the conservative Christian evangelical guidelines of like courtship but uh gosh i asked him one time before we got married i asked him like when was the moment that you knew you wanted to marry me and he and his answer like right off the bat was everybody kept asking me when i was gonna ask you i was like that is not a cute or sweet answer or thoughtful like this is not a romantic movie like not even close and and not that that was like a big you know red flag but um it is it is obvious now to me that like that first marriage was built on some really crazy expectations for what we were gonna do or how we were gonna like achieve this lifestyle together and like we just hadn't really been real with each other and we weren't in the real world yet and so we got married like a week after we graduated college in 2006 and oh, you read the new new testament twice yeah uh it was it was just very misguided and i mean i don't think he's a bad person and i don't i don't think i was a bad person i think we just did not really have a good understanding of what marriage would mean and so then on top of that 
I got into Duke Divinity School. And so we moved from college to Durham. And Durham was not cool in 2007. Like, I don't know if you were here, but it was dangerous. And um, where, where did y'all move from? From Boone. Okay. So, And my first husband was from a small town outside of Charlotte. And so he had only heard terrible things about Durham. And I had no problem with it. I'm from Charlotte. Like, okay, Durham, cool. I'm you down. You survive a stabbing. I mean... We didn't have to live where the danger was. We lived in Duke Forest. Oh, like, you're good. Huh, I know. But um, we just had a lot of miscommunication, and we were both very stubborn. I mean, to be honest, like, we got married when we were 21. Our brains weren't even done forming. Like, what were we expecting? And and I have seen, you know, and my second marriage is not really a big mistake, but um, I think you just have to choose that person. And we, my first husband and I, we didn't even like each other enough to choose each other. He was always choosing himself, and I was always sort of playing the, like, gendered stereotype, like, trying to obey him and, like, you know, defer to him and still maintaining the sassy personality that I actually do have and sarcasm and, like, oh, it was it was a spiteful year and a half that we were married. Um, but I laugh about it now just because I'm like, what a dum-dum, like – I should have been single. I should have I should have stayed an extra year in college, changed my major to communications, which would have done me a lot of good, uh, or done like study abroad. Like I didn't do any of the things that I would have thought I wanted to do and I didn't really ask myself hard questions and I don't know. It was sort of like living in a bubble and then I don't know. I think arranged marriages probably go better than the one that we created. So. Is it so? You, y'all lasted a year and a half after mm-hmm. marriage. Brittany and Kevin Federline were married longer than we were, but they had two kids. <laughs> but you hear about people staying in uh, marriages or relationships for like four or five years. Like I had a guest who was like, "I didn't like him for like three years." So when did you just decide like it, it was done? Or well, it came to a head for various personal reasons, but we. Um, we left Durham and we tried to move to Kentucky and it just imploded. Like we, we didn't even have like a real support system in Durham. We had people in North Carolina, like his family and mine. But when we tried to salvage it by moving away to start over and like really not, I would not be in grad school anymore and he would have a job he liked better. Um, we just hated each other even more and we were alone. We were the only people we knew there so you had to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, it just it was by that point it was just sort of circling the drain. And then like I had I was the one that brought it up and just said, like, surely this is not what we signed up for. And he eventually was like, Yeah, I don't want to do this either. So I mean it was hard conversation, but a really great decision. I, I was so relieved when I drove away back from Kentucky with all my stuff in my car. But, you know. So one thing you said on your Facebook is that you don't settle, and that's tough. In this environment, in this life, not settling and being willing to have that hard conversation, how do you do that? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm not sure I can tell anybody how to do it because I can't imagine being any way else. Like, I – maybe it's anxiety because I have plenty of that, or maybe it's – like crazy expectations. I don't know. I just cannot like just rest on my laurels or if I if I think I'm coasting and I have the thought, am I coasting? I have to answer it and I have to answer it honestly and then I have to do something about it because I don't often just coast. Like that's not to say that I'm perfect or that I'm like – achieving everything I set out to do like I have four piles of laundry in my bedroom right now I cannot I can't have a gentleman suitor over um because (laughs) my depression gets the best of me you know like Mm -hmm. I I can lay on my couch for an entire day and eat an entire pizza and be like I did nothing today I was a lump of a human and that is somewhat coasting but in the grand scheme of things I, I would much rather leave an impact than uh, and have made an impact and leave an impression than to just check out, find some person, push babies out, and be like, tried? No. Keep trying. Trying doesn't stop. 
So for the people who are like you, because I'm one of those people who like, like I graduated from grad school and I remember leaving. I was like, I mean, I'm not happy. And I was like, I want more. So how do you make yourself happy when you constantly want to do something different or and you constantly want to push the envelope to Mm. be better? Do you ever get a feeling of satisfaction or is keeping going the satisfaction? So uh, in 2015, I chose a word happy. Like that was my word. And then in, um, and subsequently, then I chose the word light in 2016. And so then I kept both of them was like happy and light, things that give me happiness and whatever. Uh, and then now I'm on um, real and bold. Those are my words now. But in 2015, when I was chose the word happy, I chose it because people often describe me as happy. They're like, no, Aaron's like a happy, positive person. And I'm like, I am not happy. Like, no, I am not. But – I think so much about our society or culture overall sees happiness is incorrect. It's not a destination. Like it's not somewhere that you get to go and then you stay there. It is the feeling along the way of something, some kind of adventure that you're on. And so it can come and go, but it's not it's not something that is sustainable. And so you have to find happiness in it, in whatever you're doing. And sometimes you may not have, you may not have any opportunity to have happiness in your life. You might be in a dead end job or unemployed or your family like straight up won't talk to you or you're the middle child, right? Or like an abusive relationship or, you know, you can find yourself in a, in any scenario and there may not be any happiness, but I think the biggest key is to know that it can still be found and that it's worth looking for. And so if there are little joys you can give yourself along the way, then that's more important because you, your highlights reel will matter one day. It's just you might not have any for a while. Are you hard on yourself? Oh, so very hard. Okay, because I, 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 I'm getting that because I'm hard on myself too. Like I'll have a good show. I'm like, I'm, I messed up a line. And like that is what I'll focus on. Yeah. Are you the same way? I am, but I think in in my own like way, I'm also very forgiving and try to be understanding with myself to say like, all right, well, then don't do that again. Or what did you learn from it? Or is it on video? <laughs> Hopefully not. So how did you learn to or have you always been that way? Like learn to appreciate that about yourself? Because I think that's a, something that you have to learn to accept that you're yeah. anal retentive. Like I'm, I'm that way a little bit. How did you learn to like that about yourself? Well, I think you have to recognize that everyone has shortcomings and that humans are fallible. And so I would expect for people who care about me to let me have some wiggle room. I have to do that with myself. I mean, honestly, I was a I was a journaler. So as many years as I spent in like Christian culture, that was something I really liked doing was journaling. I really liked writing all my thoughts down and like unpacking and decompressing all the internal dialogue into pen on paper. And then I have these boxes of journals now and I can go in and be like, what a dum-dum. Like, look at all these things you did and thought and said and like, you thought this person was so important and you never saw them again. But <laughs> but writing it down kind of gives you that self-awareness to say like, all right, like I don't know everything or that didn't work out and we're still here. So I don't know. You sound like, uh, I forget her last name, but I, I listened to this podcast it's like this. I forget what it's called, but it's, it's, it's super la- helpful. I'm so super helpful. But her late her she doesn't need my endorsement. But her name's Brooke, and uh, yeah, she talks about how people would never be so mean to other people, but they're really mean to themselves, yeah. and they have to stop doing that. Like they would never say half the stuff that they say to themselves to other people, and that was just really interesting to think about because I used to be like really mean to myself. So you gotta stop doing that. I, I stop, you know. But yeah, it's just interesting to hear your perspective on that as well. I mean, we we internalize a lot of things from our surroundings, even if it's just our own perception of what we think other people are thinking, and then we make that our internal dialogue. We just have to be kind 
and that includes to yourself. Like my in my shower, I have a shower crayon that I write things to myself. Crayon. It's for children, but <laughs> you have your best ideas in the shower, so True. I have a shower crayon. But I have a spot on right by my shower head that says "Be kind, Aaron," and that's me to me. Okay, I see it every day. Do you have to have a special wall for a shower crayon? No. Or it just writes on anything? Any bathtub. Any bathtub typically is able to use a shower crayon. I would recommend I, it. I want a shower crayon. Now. Yeah. I make my set list in the shower. Oh, wow. Or I'll think of a new joke and write it down. <laughs> so this next port, unless you have another mistake, you have anything else? I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes, so I think we can just leave it <laughs> at, the, at the first marriage. Well, well, and I think it's good because you made a lot of mistakes, but you're here now. You're, you're doing I, your thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have this next part I call unsolicited advice mm-hmm. i have scoured the internet for just general questions about life and i feel like no one other than aaron terry should be answering these questions all right i'm ready okay let's let me hit you with it what is the biggest trap that people fall into in life oh the biggest trap yeah i think the human ego is is a trap in itself i mean you can see that in your 20 month old niece like you can look at her the wrong way and she might burst into tears and that's pride. Like it starts immediately. Gosh, I was watching um, stand-up this week on Netflix, which I never do, but I did this week. And the comic talked a lot about ego. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's where a lot of it is just ego seems to be such a – such a hill to die on like like you're perfect or your reputation matters to you so much that you would sacrifice the truth or friendships or love for the sake of self and i don't know it seems like black tar to me i think that's a hard thing to cure though like once somebody has an ego it's hard to deflate that well and like so Again, forgive me because I can get a little preachy, but like all the all the sins, right? And I <laughs> really believe this is when you choose yourself. Like, oh, you don't have money and you want to steal money. You're choosing you. You want to sleep with your friend's girlfriend. You're choosing you. You know, like she's culpable too, but like <laughs> ultimately it is, it's when you put yourself first. That's like all the all the books, all the religious texts will say, like, that's the root of it. Uh, I just think people need someone to keep it real with them, right? Yeah. Like, and someone close to them, because that's what helped me out a lot. I had an ex who I really cared about, who, and I was like, you know, can you tell me everything you don't like about me? And she was like, uh, she, like, dusted off the list. I was like, Wow. <laughs> There are no lists like that. <laughs> you don't have a list that, like you. You would never. I mean, you may never say it to them, but you don't have like a list. Like if someone was to ask you, "Hey, Aaron, could you tell me my?" Oh, I balls? do that. Yeah, I do that for <laughs> other people. I was saying, there's no list. No man has a list about the things they don't like about me. Oh, uh, word. <laughs> yeah. You're perfect. That, that's I the mean, way. no, they enjoyed it. Is what I'm saying. Okay, fair I'm enough. Perfect. <laughs> but ego. I think ego is. Whew! It's addicting. I mean, we all. If you don't think you have an ego, I want you to take a group picture with friends sometime and make a face. And the people who think they look good in that picture will be like, no, this is a good picture. And you'll be like, no, it's a good picture of you. It it happens all every time. I don't make a face every time, but I'm, I'll be like, which one did you like? And they'll, they'll pick one. I'm like, my eyes are closed. They're not looking at you at all. Yeah, They're wrong. only looking at themselves. Oh. It blows my mind every time. I'm like, do you not see us? We all look like crap. My, I'm not even looking. Like, it's just, but they want that one because that's the best one of themselves every time. I have never, Aaron Terry just dropped knowledge on the podcast. It's if your silly. Facebook profile right now, your friends look raggedy, you have an ego. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have ego. I think it's just unchecked or like just um, an excellent source of, um, misguiding you if you could talk to your younger self what would you say who i would say girl what are you doing (laughs) i would say you need to be single um there's nothing wrong with being single there's plenty of time to go and be sad about boys and that will come later 
Um, just relax. How, how, what age would you talk to yourself at? Gosh, I would talk to myself at 18. Like right when I went to college. Just because I, I don't know, I had subscribed on some level to that new New Testament where you get married when you're like in college or after college. And I always thought I was pretty independent, but I have been in a lot of codependent relationships over the years and I'm just not here for that anymore. And I really wish that I'd spent more time investing in and believing in and being compassionate with myself without having long-term or like permanent legal marriage to people uh, and just really valuing my own voice and what I wanted to do because I did a lot of things I didn't want to do for the sake of men in my life, which is lame. Isn't it crazy when you think about your younger self sometimes, like what you used to believe? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, I cannot believe I thought those things. Like back in the day, I used to think that my only purpose in life was to impress girls. Like if you couldn't have told me anything else. Okay, but on some level, and I think about this a lot <laughs> recently, biology is real. Yeah. We have hormones in our bodies that do crazy stuff to us. Teenage years are insane. Do you remember like – you could sleep all day and eat like a monster and like you were growing, you know, yeah. like you were getting a foot taller between age 10 and age 16. You know, like you were your body was like, hey, I got to do this thing. Yeah. Also, you're going to want to procreate like <laughs> there's a reason why you thought you Fair existed enough. to. And I mean, that's why there's in every journal I wrote him from. Sixth grade to college, I would write, I love, and it was a little heart, and it was whoever had a crush on. Sometimes it was a list. <laughs> but you loved multiple. Yeah, because, like, I couldn't not write their name down. I do like Brandon. I do like Josh. I Brandon do is a like. a great name for, like, a high schooler. You know, like, I had a whole list for, I think, just crazy brain. Teenager brain is crazy. Then your 20-year-old brain isn't even done. I mean, they're. Now I have, like, the hormonal, like, make a baby clock starting. I'm 33. I got time. You definitely got time. You're right because I definitely tested my body a lot from, like, there was a senior project. Is that what they they call it? (laughs) No, 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 I wasn't talking about that. (laughs) No, uh, there was a senior project where they were like, do not wait till the last minute. And I waited till the last week. And I drank so many energy drinks that my pee changed colors. And now that would kill me. Like, I know that for a fact. (laughs) That would kill me. But I drank nothing but energy drinks for a week. (laughs) That makes me really happy that you just talked about the color of your pee. Oh, it it was glowing. Glowing. (laughs) It was. I literally took about a year off my life that week. I believe it. It was a bad year. It was going to be a bad year. You got rid of the worst one. (laughs) Uh, What are some things in life that do not matter? Hmm. I would say, like, other people's opinions don't matter. But more than anything, it's the wrong people's opinions don't matter. The right people make room for you, and the right people stick. So the things that don't matter are jokes you tell at an open mic and people's opinions about those jokes especially. I don't know. All right, last question for you for unsolicited advice. I feel that I am very immature. What are some habits I can use to grow up? And this is coming from the internet. So someone who feels immature? Yeah, they they want some productive habits to grow up. Mm, journaling is really helpful. Even, even if you don't reread them, just decompressing in that way and unpacking your brain, uh, making lists is really good, I think. So when I wanted to be a youth pastor, I also wanted to be like a middle school teacher. I'm really go with teenagers, which makes me great with stand-up comics. So (laughs) I like it. Um, And there is a lot of immaturity. And I think some of the best advice about how to like grow up and deal with life or get over stuff is just to listen more than you talk. Fair enough. So we're here – at the surprise portion of the podcast, it's about two minutes long. If you would listen to one, you would know what the surprise is. My but bad. there's no point. No, no, there's no point in knowing what the surprise is because that's going to make it even better. This part is called motivational speech. Okay. And I'm going to put some music on, some really, you know, motivational, pump you up music. 
I want you to give your motivational speech. You imagine whoever you're talking to, let's say it's a room full of middle schoolers, and I want Erin Terry to give her motivational speech. Okay. So you give me the thumbs up, and I will start the music, and I would love to hear your motivational speech. Okay, I'm ready. A wise man once said to me on my very first day in his class, he stood at the front and he said, don't get married. And it was my New Testament class and I was at Appalachian State University and um, I was maybe 19 years old. And those words have stuck with me for close to 15 years for a good reason, because marriage is a place to go and get your heart broken if you're not careful and more than anything you're middle schoolers so don't get married secondly when the day comes that you should find yourself dating someone long enough to consider marriage it is okay to say let me think about it when a man is down on one knee also, you should take him for a test drive. That's your motivational speech. Thank you. Thank you. I will assume by test drive, yes, <laughs> you exactly. mean um, going on a, a few more dates. Yeah. No, uh, my first marriage is, is very funny because we waited till we were married. Oh, wow. To have sex, which no one does except for us. Um, everybody else just lies about it. Like Christians are real good liars, but um, that's one of the things that really, I think, skewed that expectation and reality of what marriage meant. And it's really like, I mean, in hindsight, I'm just, it was such a bad, bad setup. I've always said, and people get upset with this. Two people who don't know what they're doing shouldn't be doing it together. Well, but and there, but I have friends who. I mean, trust me, I have my conservative friends who who also did that. I have conservative friends who are still virgins in their 30s because they're waiting. Like, it's a legit thing. It's just very, very specific to a subculture, the New New Testament folks. And um, it's not for everybody. There is a part of me, there, there is like a 1% part of me that's like, it would be very cool to have given myself the one person my entire life. Right. Like, and I respect that. And like it to be special. Because now at this point, like I could lie and be like, yo, this is really special. But <laughs> I would be telling them, like, I'd be lying. Like, it's not special. I've been here many times. So there's a there's 1% of me that wishes that. But then the other night, I was like, nah. Well, and... <laughs> And I think Amy Poehler said it best. She said it in her book. Uh, she said that when you're playing the contest and you you think you're competing against someone else or you're judging someone else's life, you can just say, like, good for her, not for me. <laughs> yeah. And so for the folks at home who do wait till they're married or or don't have sex until a certain point in a relationship – Good for you. Maybe not for everyone. <laughs> not for me. And there are people who have successful long-term relationships and marriages who did wait. And, like, it really – I mean, it just really goes to show you that, like, marriage is very hard. It's very intentional. It should be intentional. And if you find the right person and you both want to wait, sometimes it works out. Fair enough. It, it is very intentional. Like, I don't get how people just don't take it seriously. I'm like, this is life. Like, I want to actually get to know you. Like, I'm a, three years. I need three years. I don't know. It's so, it's so, a lot. But, yeah, test drive. I just told middle schoolers. <laughs> so what do you got for me? What, what what do you got going on in life? Meaning, like, shows? Shows. I could have so, asked that question better. That's okay. Um. So... Gosh, what do we – we had a show. So we have a show every month on First Fridays in Raleigh. That's our, like, main show that we have been doing the longest. And I love it. We had, like, 75 people out last night. It was very fun. Great room. And um, so we do that every First Friday. Then we have a show this Thursday. It's July 12th in Durham at the Penhook. 
And then on Friday the 13th, we have a show at Fleetwoods in Asheville. And then on thir- on, on Saturday the 14th, we have Lady Bits Open Mic, which is also at the Penhook in the afternoon. And then a few of Eyes Up Here faves like uh, Kathleen McDonald, Aaron Cardwell, Britt Spruill, and myself are opening for Cameron Esposito when she comes to town. I saw that. Which is very exciting. And it, and it is because Eyes Up Here has an established relationship with the Pinhook. And when Cameron was booking, they reached out and said, would y'all like to open? Y'all have done a lot. Like, that is big. Like, you should be, like, screaming into the mic. I'm I'm really proud of it. I mean, I I did. It's not like I booked Cameron Esposito myself. Like That's personally. what I thought at first. I was like, Aaron got ties. I'm trying to. I'm trying to start like putting bait out there to get big names, especially women, to come through. Um, working on that. That's another one of my goals. Uh, and then, I mean, in general, we're just around and we have lots of things that we're working on in our Facebook page or eyesupherecom.com dot com is our site and that pushes you to our Facebook for the events portion. But I mean we're hustling. Hustle is with the A. There's shows to be done. There's stage stages <laughs> There's to be stuff stood on. To do. Well I appreciate you coming to the show. I feel like you just changed someone's life. <laughs> there there is going to be some there's some 13-year-old who's listening is going to be a famous comic, and they're going to quote you Wow, in Carborough. I love it. Well, feel free to find me on social media. <laughs> I'm, I'm on all of them. It's Aaron So Bright. Um, I do like to think that I'm a friend you haven't made yet. So Fair enough. Well, hold on. There we go. That, it was, it's supposed to be very smooth. Got it. Um, we'll put it yeah. like it was. Thank y'all for listening. This was Humor and Mistakes on 103.5 FM. We're on every week at 5 p.m. This was Aaron Terry. We loved having her on the show. Remember, everybody, a lot of people make mistakes. Matter of fact, everybody makes mistakes. But it's okay. Enjoy your week. Thank you.